0: is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts, this is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods, Good to have you with us. It is Monday, the 27th day of November, 2023. Man, the year is going by. We are coming close to... uh, Oh, moving stuff off my desk. (laughs) We are coming close to the end of the year. We are past Thanksgiving. We can now officially start listening to Christmas music. And we can decorate our trees and whatnot. If you uh, did that before Thanksgiving, you are a vile and evil person, and, and you should find another podcast because I don't want you in my audience. <laughs> it's, you're, you're right up there with people that put pineapple on pizza. That's just all there is to it. Oh, hope you had a great Thanksgiving weekend. Um, I, I just uh, uh, I had a good time, uh, did very little. <laughs> Played video games, just kind of relaxed. Uh, I've gotten fascinated by the new uh, Bethesda game, Starfield. I've been playing that, and I probably played it too much over the last four days, but I had a good time. Um, we had uh, a great day at church yesterday, and then yesterday afternoon we had uh, Thanksgiving dinner with Mrs. Squirrel's family. Um her mom and her siblings and significant others, etc. And uh, that was a that was a good time yesterday. So I did have turkey. That was yesterday. We had the the traditional turkey dinner after having our pizza on on uh, Thanksgiving Day, which is our personal tradition. So we we enjoyed that. Uh, my pizza lasted until Saturday. I finished it off Saturday for lunch. That's um, a I. We get his and her pizzas, and we get the big ones, so we have leftovers. And we munch on them all week long, all weekend long. Um, good stuff, Good stuff. All right, this is Scroll Chatter, a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and anything else I want to talk about. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7:30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the audio podcast is available for download. Wherever you find, find podcasts. Scroll Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. Head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. More than 50. More than 50. Um, some are pretty good and others are like this one. So <laughs> I encourage you to head on over there. You'll find something worth listening. What do we got coming up today? We have prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. We have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ, and it's Monday, so we got Monday meanderings. We have a full week of Squirrel Chatter ahead of us. No holidays this week. We will have Theology Thursday. We will have Federalist Friday. Tuesday and Wednesday will be our study Bible-level Bible study of Deuteronomy, and today is Monday. So, Monday meanderings coming up on the show today. Let's begin, as is our practice, with the prayer of confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and Most Merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. And now our reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. And today's devotional is entitled, Knowing God as Father, Our Father Who is in Heaven, Matthew 6, 9. Dr. MacArthur writes, Only those who have come to God through Christ can call God Father. He is the Father of unbelievers only in that he created them. See Matthew, Malachi 2.10, Acts 17.28. It is only those who trust Jesus who have the right to become children of God. John 1.12, see also Romans 8.14 and Galatians 3.26. In the Old Testament, faithful Jews saw God as the Father of Israel, the nation he elected as his special people. Isaiah proclaimed, "'You, O Lord, are our Father, our Redeemer from of old is your name.'" That's Isaiah 63:16. See also Exodus 4:22 and Jeremiah 31, 9. Many of them even saw God in an intimate way as their spiritual father, father and Savior. Psalms 89:26 and 103:13. But because of their disobedience toward God's commands and their embracing of false gods around them, most Jews of Jesus's time had lost the true sense of God's fatherhood and viewed him only as the remote deity of their ancestor. These six words at the beginning of the disciples' prayer reaffirm that God is the father of all who trust in him. Jesus himself used the title father in all his recorded prayers except one, Matthew 27:46). Although the text here uses the more formal Greek pater for father, Jesus likely used the Aramaic Abba when he spoke these words. Abba has a more personal connotation. Mark 14:36, Romans 8:15, equivalent to the English daddy. Because saints belong to Jesus the Son, they can come to God the Father, daddy, as his beloved children. Ask yourself, certainly in our decadent day and age, many are increasingly growing up in homes where father is a person to be feared a person who rejects, a person who demeans and devalues? How does God's identity as Father fill the holes left by even well-meaning dads who fall short of what their role requires? All right, good word this morning as we continue to go through the Lord's Prayer. Okay, it is Monday. Monday meanderings. A lot of stuff going on. Uh, First off, um... Last week we prayed for Paul Washer. Um, the surgery was a success. He is home recovering. Um, everything seems to have gone well. Um, I've not had any personal communication with him, but uh, everything that's been put out by uh, HeartCry is saying that he is doing well. Um, and uh, so we continue to pray for his recovery. We, we give thanks for the successful surgery and the, the miracle it's not a miracle. It's it's science and technology, but the gift of medicine that God has given us. Had a uh, discussion with an atheist on Twitter. Um, someone had 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 you know gone after a friend of mine had posted thanking God for the successful surgery that Paul Washer had had had, and this atheist came up with you know don't you think you should thank the doctors. God had nothing to do with it, blah, blah, blah. So I pointed out that it's God who gives us the abilities to do all these things. And uh, it was was a short conversation. I did not uh, engage in him very long, but it's just like, you know, we give thanks to God because it's God who gave us the doctors. (laughs) And it's God who who has gifted us with the uh, abilities we have, whether we're car mechanics or doctors or carpenters or, you know, police officers or pilots or whatever we are, whatever, get you know, football players. I watched, uh, oh, yeah, mention that (laughs) to all of my friends in Louisiana, neener, neener, neener. The Atlanta Falcons beat the New Orleans Saints yesterday quite handily. Um, I got to watch the first half. I haven't, uh, uh, on repeat, I didn't get to watch it live. I was at church. I got to watch the first half uh, on repeat before uh, turning over to Sunday night football yesterday. But boy, that uh, Bills-Eagles game yesterday! Wow, what a finish! I, I I got to watch the last, you know, just I tuned in. It was already in overtime, and uh, well, what a heartbreak for the Bills. But the Eagles just keep to, they they're going to be they they're. they're having a phenomenal year and and i would not be surprised to see philadelphia in the super bowl again and i'm not sure they're going to be facing uh the the uh, last year's victors i don't know what kansas city's going to make so we will continue to watch football and enjoy that without giving it much weight so anyway all of our abilities whether we are football players or or pastors or doctors or whatever. All of those abilities, the, the, you know, the mental acuity needed to learn medicine is not something most people are capable of. Um, you know, we're, we're, we, we often think each one of us <laughs> has a tendency to think that we're on par with Albert Einstein as far as mental ability. And the fact is we're not. And, you know, I'm not, I don't have the kind of mind to be a medical doctor um, standing next to. A, a, a medical doctor in the choir rest today, in choir practice after church. So we get ready for our Christmas program, you know, and her dad is a doctor. She's a MD, although basically she's, she's, re, she retired when she became a mother. Um, but you know, the, you know, brilliant, brilliant lady. And her dad is brilliant. And I don't, I'm not in that league as far as mental acuity. So, you know, where did that ability come from? Chance random processes and genetic combinations? No. We are his workmanship. And, and so we have been created by him and for him for his purposes and his glory and all of our skills and abilities. Now, yes, do these skills and abilities have to be trained and does it take hard work to achieve you know the level of success of becoming a successful heart surgeon. Oh, absolutely. You know, it. it, it you know the natural ability. Um, you know that we are born with whatever our natural ability is, and we all have some natural ability of some sort. Our natural ability, you know, is determined by God, but also He gives us the will and the drive to train that ability to reach the point of success in whatever endeavor we're after. Um, and so, you know, whether you're, if you're a good car mechanic, God gave you the, the the manual dexterity and the mental ability, you know, that's another, I'm not a mechanic. I don't understand, you know, other than a basic knowledge, I don't understand, you know, engines. I You know, I couldn't, I, mean, I suppose I could, Learn to work on an engine. I think I have that ability, um, but you know, it just—it's—it's it's one of those things that you just need to—to to realize that um, all of this ability comes from God, and therefore we give Him all of the credit. Um, I did uh, point out to the atheist I was discussing this with that, in fact, <laughs> he's not an atheist. He know God knows God exists. And uh, I, uh, you know, I asked him, um, where were his tweets attacking Allah and Buddha? And he says, you know, there's a reason why you're attacking the God of the Bible because he is the one true living God and you know, he exists and you hate him. He didn't care for that much, but anyway, you know, I said, it was a, a short conversation and, uh, it's somebody that doesn't follow me, so I don't see his tweets, and I just saw it while I was scrolling through the feed on a friend's tweet uh, thanking God for Paul Washer's successful surgery. So, But we continue to pay for Paul's recovery just as we continue to pray for the lost who suppress the truth in their unrighteousness. There are no atheists. There are only those who suppress the truth in their unrighteousness, and so we we pray for them that God would open their eyes. All right, what else is in the news? Well, last week, I think it was last week, I, don't, I didn't mention it last Monday, I'm not sure when it started, but there was all of a sudden a, and I don't have TikTok, so I didn't see any of this firsthand, but I started seeing news reports and other people were talking about it, that there were, was a... It had to have been orchestrated because there was suddenly a bunch of them. Videos by, and surprisingly, the the two that I saw on Facebook or Twitter, somebody had shared them, the two that I saw were women. Um, But the young leftist women who came out and said they had just discovered Osama bin Laden's letter to America which was written some 20 years ago, which was written, and it, it's, it was re- put out under bin Laden's name. He didn't write it, <laughs> but it was written to justify the attack of 9-11. And the reasons that were given in that letter were America's support of Israel, um, the the America's support of Israel, and then American conflicts in Islamic nations. Remember, this is shortly after the Black Hawk Down incident in Somalia, where you know we were part of the peacekeeping forces trying to restore order to Somalia after the total collapse of the, the government there. Um, and so, the, you know, that 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 was, that was a imperialism on America and violence against Islam. Um, but, you know, very much, you know, our support of Israel was huge. That was, you know, the, the, nothing's changed. The The Islamic world hates Israel. Um, but he also, and this is the funny thing, and this is the thing that none of these leftists get, right? They supposedly read this letter, and yet they didn't key in on this. They reject it. it, it the letter... The, the Bin Laden letter to America rejected Western immorality and used that as one of the basis for justifying the attack. So it says, and this is a quote, we call you to reject the immoral acts of fornication, homosexuality, intoxicants, gambling, and trading with interest. So, you know, and, and some of these, I mean, it's like I I would love to see America reject fornication, homosexuality, intoxicants, and gambling, trading with interest. There was a a huge attack in the letter against wealth and capitalism, which is hilarious because this was supposedly written by uh, Osama bin Laden, who was a Saudi billionaire. His wealth came from oil money. Um, He basically took the oil money his parents had made and and turned around and used it to to fund anti-western terrorism but you know i mean when the navy seals finally caught up to him and killed him in pakistan he was living in a large compound and it 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 i'm not sure how opulent it was um as i am not i'm not even thinking and i've seen pictures of the interior of the place but i mean it wasn't by by Pakistani standards, it was a very nice house. Um, but you know, so, but he he supposedly hated wealth and capitalism. Um, and and there were other documents that also came out of the Islamic movement at about the same time. That I mean, it was just like a smorgasbord of leftist causes. That they put out some of the reasons for justifying the attack were the lack of campaign finance uh, reform in the United States elections, <laughs> environmental stuff, I mean, all the global warming, all of that. They, it's like they took every leftist cause and threw it at the wall, trying to get Western support for the attacks. So, you know, here were all of these things that, that Bin Laden came out with to justify the attacks unjustifiable attacks. And all of a sudden, all these leftists are putting out videos of, the, oh, he's right. It was, maybe he was justified. Maybe the 9-11 attacks were, and this is all coming in the wake of the Hamas stuff in Israel because they're trying to justify Hamas's murdering of civilians and and uh, you know, all the, the the rape and murder and mutilation and stuff that was done back in October 7th. You know, we're coming up on two months since those attacks. Now, over the weekend, there were there were some hostage trades that took place. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I, I you know, it's it's on the one hand, you, you you don't want to reward hostage takers. On the other hand, I'm glad these people are out of their out of Hamas hands. Don't know how many Hamas still have, but. You know, I I fully support Israel's efforts to obliterate Hamas. Um, One of the things that I think was wrong with the second half of the 20th century, and by the second half of the 20th century, I'm pointing at uh, Korea, Vietnam, you know, there was a, after World War II, when we got into Korea and then we got into Vietnam, it's like we had lost the uh, understanding of the objective and and I, I this was a problem with the Gulf War too in in the early 90s once the shooting starts defeat your enemy once the shooting starts I mean you get somebody back on their heels it's unconditional surrender don't you know i I have a problem with the with the you know we 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 made a you know we didn't defeat the Chinese in Korea. We didn't defeat the North Vietnamese and the Russians in Vietnam. We didn't defeat Iraq in the Gulf War. See, they had months and months and months to get out of Kuwait. That was the demand. Get out of Kuwait, or we're coming for you. Once the attacks started, they were routed. We had we were their military was destroyed. We should have at that point walked into Baghdad and gotten rid of uh Saddam Hussein. The fact that we stopped after we drove them out of Kuwait caused all sorts of trouble. And perceived weakness is part of the issue. Um, that, that, you know, once you once the shooting starts, you go for a victory. And the last time we really did that was World War II. We didn't do it in Korea. We didn't do it in Vietnam. We didn't do it in the first Gulf War. We didn't do it in Iraq and Afghanistan after 9-11, you know, I mean, Afghanistan's right back where they were, you know, when, when the, when Biden pulled out, you know, the Taliban's back in charge. And it, it's, you know, um, I was reading a thing this weekend, it was talking about, you know, the whole hearts and minds idea, go in and win their hearts and minds. And, and the person I was reading says, you know, what that usually means is that we use the American military and American taxpayer funds to build, you know, schools and power plants and infrastructures and stuff like that. And then when we leave, the power plants get, you know, fall apart for lack of maintenance. The schools are attacked and burned as, you know, um, symbols of Western oppression and all of the, you know, the, the government we tried to put into place is, is, you know, hauled out into the street and shot. And the place is right back where it was. He said, You know, don't try to win their hearts and minds. But if somebody attacks you, just go in and, and beat them. Um, I look at, you know, post-World War II, um, Germany, you still had the Western uh, mindset was still prominent in Germany. So that, you know, once you got rid of the Nazis... The German people were, you know, easier to get back on track, put it that way, as far as, you know, being a modern uh, liberal democracy. And I'm using liberal in the classic sense, not in the leftist sense, although they have gone far left. Um, But in Japan, you know, the Allies ran Japan for over a decade after the war until... You know, we finally were convinced that they were at a point where they could support themselves, you know, they could govern themselves. And so that was a that was a big deal. So, um, you know, we we almost immediately tried to get, you know, we had elections in Iraq and in Afghanistan and tried to get them self-governing. And that was way too fast because the recent history had shown that they were incapable of governing themselves. We needed to teach them how to govern themselves before we turned them loose, as it were. Um, and we failed to do that. And, you know, so it's it's a... The, the, once the fighting starts, you need to defeat your enemy. And so I fully support Israel's avowed purpose of destroying Hamas. And I think, you know, the American government and military should support that. Instead, we're, you know... Almost immediately, we were calling for restraint and a ceasefire and all this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, quite frankly, you just look at the two sides in this conflict. Hamas broke a ceasefire to attack Israel back in October. They attacked, intentionally, civilian targets. They were going house to house, killing people in their homes, men, women, and children, rape, mutilation. It was an attack on civilians, intentionally. They weren't going after military target. They were just trying to kill as many Israelis as they, and they, you know, killed 1,400. I think that's the. And then, immediately, when Israel starts striking back, now, understand this. This is a key point. It is a war crime to use, intentionally use human shields to defend your military, yet Hamas builds their infrastructure their their storage depots their their headquarters their their planning places their their hidey holes under hospitals and schools and in the middle of neighborhoods you know quite often the the rocket attacks that are launched on Israel are launched from the backyard of apartment complexes so that when Israel strikes these military targets. They can't avoid blowing up hospitals. And, you know, so it's it's an intentional thing on Hamas's part that they hide behind the people. And, you know, we, we, there was the whole thing about them not letting civilians flee Gaza City because they want them there, because they want the high casualty counts. Not that the numbers they put out can be trusted, but, you know the they're the war criminal, not Israel, not I mean, and I'm not saying that, you know there there is something about war where horrible things happen because it's war. It's people killing people. there's collateral damage, and then there's, you know, there is a brutality that rises in the heart of a combatant as life is cheapened and so that you end up with, you know, even, you know, the good guys do atrocity. Um, you know, I think of the My massacre. American troops, you know, killed men, women, and children in a, the village of My Lai in Vietnam. But here's the thing. Once America found out about it, those soldiers, and especially their commanders, were tried. The American people spoke out against it. You're not seeing the people in, in the Gaza Strip speaking out against Hamas. Hamas is their elected government. Not only that, that was the intent of the attack. When the American troops went into My Lai, they were searching for Viet Cong infiltrator. And they ended up wiping out the whole village But they, because they didn't find the Viet Cong. Um, and when they reported it back, they reported the body count as, as Viet Cong soldiers. They, they were not ordered to go in there and kill men, women, and children. The purpose of their being sent there was not to kill the men, women, and children there. The purpose on October 7th was to kill the men, women, and children that were killed. That was Hamas's purpose. There is no moral equivalency here, and and anyone who says there is is being dishonest, and you have to wonder why. So the, the, the support that was come out about the the Bin Laden letter, all of that was orchestrated and it's coming out of this leftist mindset. I was listening to somebody over the weekend talking about the anti-Semitism on our college campus. And, you know, I mean, just... I mean, you, you've had this rise in anti-Semitism and when the White House is asked about it, they talk about Islamophobia. Like, it's a huge problem. Um, and this is something else, okay? Back during you know, Bush and the, the war on terror and everything post 9-11, we kept putting out that, you know, Islam was not our enemy. It was these terrorist organizations, which happened to all be Islamic. And it got me thinking, it's like, you know, it's their ideology that makes them our enemy. And it's Islam that drives their ideology. It's like World War Two, the German people were not our in- enemy the Nazis were. And it was because of their Nazism that they were our enemies. You know, during the Cold War, it was not the Russian people who were our enemies, it was the communists. And it was their communism that made them our enemies. I have no problem with the Arabic people, but it's Islam that makes them our enemy. Islam has, from the very beginning, been a militant religion spread by the sword. And to say that it's a religion of peace is to totally distort its beliefs and its history. Um, you know, all of these. You know, they, they talk about being anti-colonial. You know, we're trying to stop colonialism and, and everything. Okay, you know, the 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 Levant, uh, Palestine. You know, Syria, Palestina, the 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 land of Israel. you yeah. know, that was in the when Islam was on the rise, that was a Christian area, a country of the, of the planet. That was you know, Jerusalem was the birthplace of Christianity and it was the dominant religion in that area until the Muslim armies came. And so, you know, the 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 quote unquote Palestinian people that everybody they're they're colonists. They they're Arabs. They're not, you know, native to the area. Now Do they have a right to live there? Absolutely. Do they have a right to live there in peace as long as they're peaceable? Um, That's the thing. You look at the population of the nation of Israel, and I forget what the percentage of them is that is Arab, but it's fairly large. And they, I mean, you know, the Arab people will be the biggest minority in Israel. And you know what? They can own property. They can hold political office. They, you know, have all the rights and privileges of any other Israeli citizen. Now look at how Jews live in Damascus, if there are any, you know, look. At, so there's no moral equivalency and a lot of the a lot of the outrage is artificial. This whole colonization thing, you know, it's a, you know, people groups have moved around this globe as far back as history goes. Um, you know, the, the people we think of as Western Europeans now were not the original settlers in Europe. Um, you know, there, there was, there, they talk about the barbarian hordes and the migrations that took place in the late BC, where the, you know, the, what today are the Europeans moved into Europe and supplanted the Celtic people. And that's just one instance, and that's happened on every continent. Yeah, as people groups move into uh, for various reasons, you know, they 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 move to another area, and they they either win or lose. They're either repelled or they take over. Um, you know, we think about the the, you know, when we talk about uh, you know the British people as white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, and that, you know the Angles the and the Saxons moved into the British Isles after the collapse of the Roman Empire. And yet that's the dominant culture of, and now it, it morphed into a new culture and everything. So you can't sit here and, and you know, it's, it's, I, I as people talk about, you know, that, that there need to be reparations for, you know, chattel slavery out of Africa there need to be reparations for the supplanting of Native American cultures and the supplanting of Australian Aboriginal cultures by the Europeans who colonized the the North America and Australia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, how far back do you go? Because there is not an American alive today who was born in or lived as a slave. And there is not an American alive today who owned a slave. There's not, I mean, you know, so... How far back do you go? As an you know, someone of English ancestry, can I get reparations from Italy for the Roman invasion of the British Isles? <laughs> you know, let's, let's, how, how far back do we go? You know, what, what about the, you know, can, can the Celts go after the English? Can the, you know, who, who would, you know, the, trying to think, you know, the Franks came out of Eastern Europe and, and I can't remember, you know. I don't know who was there before the Franks moved in in what is now France. You know, can there be reparations there? I mean, you you can't you can't go back generations because nothing can un, nothing can undo history. And you can't. I mean, we we always say we don't hold the children uh, responsible for their parents' misty. So the fact that several generations ago. One people group conquered another people group. That's not anything that anybody alive today should be held responsible. So these are, these are, these, the, the left is just being illogical and being disingenuous because they have another option or not even another option. They have another objective. The, the objective of the left is to destroy Western civilization specifically Christianity and capitalism. And the reason is that they're left as socialist utopianists. And as long as there is liberty and freedom, they can't put through their utopian ideals because their utopian ideals have to be forced on people. It's like buying electric vehicles, right? Nobody would buy an electric vehicle if they weren't subsidized by the government because nobody's going to pay that cost. And a lot of people are starting to learn now that they've been promoting the electric vehicles for so long, a lot of people are starting to learn that it's not that good a deal. We're starting to see, you know, with the energy prices and all that, just some interesting stuff going on. And so, you know, just the cost of owning, we don't have the power generation. We don't have the power grid that can support this push for EVs. And, The really sad thing is, you know, the one thing that could get us out of this is nuclear power. The one thing that could get us out of this would be atomic power plants all across the country, generating enough electricity cheaply and plentifully to power these EVs. And, you know, here's the thing. They would make perfect sense in, um, you know, as cities and as commuter vehicles and everything like that if the... Battery technology wasn't so dependent upon China. And we had cheap, plentiful electricity from atomic power. You know, I have no problem with electric city buses powered by plentiful, cheap nuclear power. You know, but the the thing is that these electric vehicles are impractical for, you know, trucks hauling, you know, cargo across the country. You know, the charge time, the the... The, the weight taken up by the batteries takes away from your payload weight. You know, because enough batteries to go a hundred miles weigh a lot more than a, the amount of diesel it would take to go for a hundred miles. Um, and so, you know, the, it, it's, it's not, there's a practicality thing here that needs to be considered, but yeah, we could have cheap, plentiful electricity with nuclear power and it's safe. Um, the last generation of reactors that were designed that were tested just a couple hundred miles south of here at a naval base outside of Idaho Falls, Idaho. I laugh that there's a naval base in Idaho so far from the ocean, but it is a it was an atomic test facility still there, um, and uh, it uh, they tested in the late 70s I think maybe early 80s the the last generation of power plants none of which have ever gone none of, none of which have ever been built but they had it's called a liquid sodium reactor I'm not an atomic physicist I'm not going to tell you how it all works but I do know this they could not make it melt down they would they shut off all the cooling and everything and the reactor would shut down so if you'd have had those liquid sodium reactors become commonplace, you would not have had a Chernobyl. You would not have had a uh, Three Mile Island. You wouldn't have a Fukushima. You know, none of those events would have taken place because those reactors can't, don't react that way. And so, you know, but that, those liquid sodium reactors never went into production. Um, and and so, I mean, that's that's what we need to do is start building those liquid sodium reactors. And generating our electricity that way because it's cheap, it's plentiful, it's cleaner. You know, everybody's talked about. Well, what about the atomic waste and everything? Atomic waste is just something we have no use for now. You you package it up and you store it, and future generations will have a use for that radioactive material. I, I, I just, you know, they will there'll be new reactor technologies that, you know. Today's atomic waste products can power. So, you know, we, we we get into this mindset of, oh, it's horrible, it's negative, we can't do anything with it. You know, it's like you know, those things can be recycled by future generations. It's like future generations are going to mine our landfills because they're full of metal and plastic and stuff that, you know, can be recycled and reused if there's a, a shortage of these materials. Although I'm not sure that we'd ever get into mining them. I, 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 I personally think we ought to get up out outer space and start melting down asteroids. Um, there's a great book. I've got it around here somewhere. I've got an old beat up copy from the early eighties. Um, G. Harry Stein, who was a, NASA engineer, Um, G. Harry Stein wrote a book called The Third Industrial Revolution. Now, this is 40 years ago he wrote this. And in the book, he laid out, using really Apollo-era technology, how we could mine the asteroid and how we could expand into the solar system and the wealth generation and the industrial. You know, you want to clean up the planet? You really want to clean up the planet? Well, let's move heavy industry off, off Earth. You know? Cheap and plentiful solar power. I mean, you want to smelt an asteroid. Here's the thing. You build a mirror. Now, remember, microgravity, so you don't have to worry about the weight of the thing. Build a big convex mirror or concave mirror that focuses light to a point, you know, like a parabolic mirror, and you have the focal point of the light. Then you shove an asteroid in there, and you melt it. Then you spin it in a centrifuge and separate out all the, the the minerals and elements. Then you have, you know, and you're doing it all out in space where you're not polluting anything, yeah. and you know. And you can use the waste slag as radiation shielding on space stations and spaceships and whatnot. You can use, then you have all the metal and everything like that. They've already done experiments in in early days of space on, you know, um, and they still do it on the international space station where they're, they're experimenting with different manufacturing techniques and stuff that what, what does zero G do to the growth of metal crystal? And there are, there are alloys and elements that can be produced in outer space that we can't do here on earth. And so there, there's a huge advantages to manufacturing in space and, you want to clean up the planet? Move all that stuff out into space, you know. We yeah, we need to get less expensive transportation from from out of the Earth's gravity well to orbit. But once you're to orbit, you're halfway to anywhere in the solar system. And so that I mean that's just some serious stuff that that we don't think about. You know, other than, you know, a few nerdy guys like me, we just don't think about. It. All right, I had other stuff on the list today that we didn't get to. We'll save that for next week. I got, uh, has Europe had enough of the left? <laughs> and uh, so talking about the elections in Netherlands and all that. I'll save that for next week. Um, I, I kind of got to rambling. Well, it's Monday meanderings. I meandered all over the place today. Let's now recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty. The resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, Amen. Now the colic for the twenty-sixth Sunday after Pentecost next week. the The ecclesial calendar starts over. We'll be in the first Sunday of Advent come Sunday. So next week we'll be back at the beginning and and start with the uh, the first Sunday of Advent. It's it's amazing. So so the this is the the last of ordinary time before we go into Advent. Almighty and everlasting God whose will it is to restore all things in your well-beloved Son, the King of kings and Lord of lords, mercifully grant that the peoples of the earth, divided and enslaved by sin, may be freed and brought together under his most gracious rule, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The colic for the renewal of life. O God, the King Eternal, whose light divides the day from the night and turns the shadow of death into the morning, drive far from us all wrong desires, incline our hearts to keep your law, and guide our feet into the way of peace, that having done your will with cheerfulness during the day, we may, when night comes, rejoice to give you thanks. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now the colic for the unrepentant, merciful God. You desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home and number them among your children that they may be yours forever through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for today. Hope you have a great Monday. Wish you all the best. Look forward to seeing you again here tomorrow. Remember to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. See you again tomorrow. Take care. God bless.